Hey, thanks for tuning in to today's sermon. Before we get into it, you know, I get messages and emails and, and often run into people all over the country and literally around the world that God is using this ministry to impact their lives. And I believe that's you as well. God's using this word to sow into your life and to bear fruit in a really great way. And if that's you, I wanna encourage you to join us in our year-end offering called the Kingdom Builder Offering. This offering goes 100% to accelerating the vision of reaching people far from God so they'll become fully alive in Christ. And if you're a part of our extended online family, I wanna challenge you to be a part of that offering, to pray about what God would have you to do as a part of this family. And I just believe that as we all get together, we'll see God do something miraculous and we'll see the vision accelerated, people reached, lives changed, hope given into the lives of hopeless people. And so why don't you pray about what God would have you do and bring your very best offering to Him. You can do that online. You can do it through the app. But whatever way that you do it, I pray that you will obey God in the process. And I'm confident of this. The Bible says that when we give, that God gives back to us, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Now let's go into today's message. The Bible says this, sometime later, God tested Abraham. Somebody shout tested. And He said to Am, Abraham... Here I am, he replied. Then God said, take your son. And this is a text that I have a hard time getting my mind around, but um, we're gonna work through it. Take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the region of Moriah and sacrifice him there as a burnt offering, one of the mountains I will tell you about. And early the next morning, Abraham got up and saddled his donkey. Early the next morning, Abraham got up and he saddled his donkey and he took with him two of his servants and his son, Isaac, and when he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him about. And on the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. And he said to his servants, stay here with the donkey while the boy and I go over there. We will worship and then we will come back to you. This tells me that Abraham never had in his mind that God would really ask him to go through with it. He said, we're going to go worship and then we're going to come back. Either Some scholars say either Abraham thought that God would resurrect his son or that God would provide a different path. Either way, Abraham knew that his son was coming off the mountain with him. And Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac. And he carried himself, himself carried the fire and the knife. And as the two of them went up together, Isaac spoke up and said to his father Abraham, yes, my son, Abraham replied, the fire and the wood are here, Isaac said, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And this is the verse, Abraham answered, God himself would provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. Spoiler alert, God provides a ram, Isaac is fine, God fulfills his promise. This was only a test. Are you with me? How many of you know we like freebies? Come on, somebody. You like some freebies? Um, free refills? Come on, you don't like a restaurant, don't get free refills? Um, we like free upgrades? How many of you know that? I was flying somewhere the other day with Owen, and, um, and I have, uh, I, this tells you I'm in the air way too much. I'm, I'm diamond status on Delta. So that means that um, you're, you're automatically top of the upgrade list, right? And, um, but my son isn't, and so I had this dilemma whenever it was the opportunity for me to be bumped to first class. Do I leave my son in coach and go to first class? On the normal, I would have, and I have before. But this was a father-son moment. We were supposed to be spending time together, building relationship. I figure I should sit with him on the flight. Are y'all with me? 
But we have maybe know you like some free upgrades when you get to the rental car, when you get to the hotel, and they're like, oh, sorry, you've been upgraded. We like some free upgrades, right? Um, we like uh, free refills. We like free upgrades. We like uh, free streaming. Come on, somebody, when you get some free streaming. How many of you like some free Disney Plus streaming, right, if they were to give you some free streaming? Why? We like free things. But here's what we also know is this, is that although some things are free, anything of great value costs you something. Anything of great value costs you something. And we know that so intrinsically that we even admire people that are willing to pay a price for something. Um, we, we admire uh, those who enter the military that, that pay a price so that we can have freedoms, do we not? We admire their sacrifice, right? Um, we admire um, athletes, right? We, we sat around TV, many of us yesterday sat around and, and we were either you know, really happy or we came in this morning needing to know that God wins every battle even though our football team doesn't. Come on, somebody. All you Redskins fans need that every week. And so we, I'm just, I'm joking. I had to get it in. It's, it's only been once this year I've said something. Um, I keep a docket of it. You need to know he never loses a battle even though they can't win a battle. And so, right, but we, we, uh, we, we understand that, that, that people that, that give athletes, that they sacrifice their body. They, we, we admire that, right? And we, we even pay to go watch them do that. And we love that. We, we understand that parenting is sacrifice, right? Once you have your own children, then you start to really admire your parents. Come on, somebody. And the sacrifice that they made. But because we intrinsically know this is that nothing of value is free. That you never reach greatness in life free. That, that, and I would say the same thing is true in your faith. That you never reach a place of greatness or a place of real blessing in your life free. That it costs you something. That there is a price to pay. Now, I'm not talking about salvation. If you're with me, say amen. Salvation is a free gift of God. I'm not talking about that. You, there is no price to pay other than the price that Jesus already paid. You don't have to pay it. He paid it on the cross. And so that gift of salvation is completely free. But if you want to live in an abundance of life, there is some sacrifice to make. There is some, some price to pay. If you're with me, say amen. Because God will put you in a position where your faith has to be stretched. In order for your faith to be stretched, then there is a cost. There is a price. He, your faith isn't grown in the comfort of padded seats on a Sunday morning. Your faith is grown whenever you get out of those padded seats and you put into action the thing that God is calling you to do. And here's what I know about what God calls us to do when we are growing our faith or stretching our faith is he will call us to something that feels beyond our capacity. It is how faith is grown. Faith is not grown in comfort. Faith is grown when you step out of comfort into a place that feels beyond your capacity, that feels like, oh God, I don't know if I can do this. Oh God, this doesn't feel good. Oh God, this is calling me to take a risk that I'm not sure that I want to take or that I can handle. Lord, you're calling me to step out of the boat into the water and I don't know when I put my foot down if there'll be anything solid underneath it, but I'm trusting you that there will be. That is the essence of faith. Faith is the thing that is hoped for, not the thing that is seen, not the thing that is tangible, not the thing that you can know, not the thing that you can make out and it can have a plan and you can see step A, B, C, and D, and it's gonna line up like this, and then this is gonna happen, then this is gonna happen, and then that's gonna happen. No, the essence of faith is I don't know what will happen but I know who is in my future, and so I take steps into it trusting Him. 
I don't know the outcome, but I, don't know, I do know who is walking with me. That's the essence of faith. God will call that because it causes you to stretch. He says to Abraham, Abraham, and Abraham goes, here am I. God, I'm here. I'm in a place where I'm ready to hear. And I would just propose that this is what God is asking of you. That as you think about next week and we come together to return to God a gift that honors Him, that there should be an essence of the gift that is like, oh, this makes me so uncomfortable. If it's not, you haven't reached the point of faith. And the Bible says without faith it is impossible to please God. I want to challenge you a little bit on this, that I don't know if your gift will please God next week if part of it doesn't give this feeling of, ah, this is uncomfortable. I can't promise you it will. Are you all with me? Because faith will cause you to stretch. Faith will cause you to get uncomfortable. But here's what I found is this, is that we often want all the opportunities without any of the obedience. Y'all wish I was back on a screen with a movie playing and little adventures. And... We want the blessing, but we don't want the burden that comes along with it. Are you following me? We want the breakthrough. God, give me the breakthrough, but we don't want to pray through to the point that God gives us the breakthrough. We, we, uh, we, it's very easy in the 21st century, if I could hit on this, to slip into a consumer Christianity. Let me say it this way. We want Jesus, but we don't want the cross. We want the, the blesser, but we don't want to pick up my cross daily and follow him. Uh, we, 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 want to, we want God to me, to bless me, God do for me, but we don't want the sacrifice that comes with it. Are, are y'all with me today? Did y'all go somewhere the last four weeks? Is this too much for you? It, it's, it's, it's fascinating to me. We, we live in a, a friend of mine says it this way, we live in a click generation. That if we don't like the message, we'll just swipe over to another one. That if we don't like what it has, if it doesn't make us feel good, then we'll just pull up somebody else's app. We'll go to a different YouTube channel. Well, we'll hop to a different church that'll, that'll make me feel good. We don't, we don't want a level of commitment anymore in our, we, we want to click, but we don't want to cross. We want a Jesus and a blessing, but we don't want the sacrifice that comes with walking with Jesus. We want God to bless us, but we don't want to do the things that bring the blessing. I didn't figure you'd get all excited about this, but I want to help you. Jesus calls us to a greater level, step by step. There, there's got to come a level in your maturity, in your faith, where it is not, God, what can you do for me, but God, what can you do with me? There has to come a level of maturity in your faith where you say what the Apostle Paul said when he said, I've been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, but the life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who died and gave himself up for me. In other words, God, it's not my agenda anymore. God, it's not what I want anymore. God, I've died to me. I'm alive to you. I want you to use me. God, use me like, like you would use something, a tool. God, God, use me, and when you're done using me, then take me home to heaven. I'm not the star of the show, God. You're the star of the show. This story isn't about me. The story has been all about you from beginning till the end of time. It's all been Jesus. 
They didn't sing the song I like today. We weren't worshiping you. We were trying to bring a smile to his face, not to your face. We were just trying to get your eyes on him and off of you. He's the one that wins the battles. It's his name that's highly to be exalted. It's his name that is great above all things. He is the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings. He is the Lion of the tribe of Judah. He is the wonderful Counselor, the Prince of Peace, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father. He was God before you ever got on the planet. He doesn't need anybody to speak up for him or to call him King. He's King all by himself. He's Lord all by himself. He's great all by himself. And he is worthy of our lives and it's so easy to slip into this consumer Christianity that says this is about me and God I don't want to be called to any kind of level of sacrifice we, 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 we got it twisted we think we sacrificed because we got up in the rain and came to church it's my sacrifice today I forgot my umbrella and walked to the building in the rain I must be a real Christian Some of us will do more for a Black Friday sale than we would for Jesus. Maybe I should just go back to my office. I just don't, I don't want us to get stuck in a place where we think this whole thing is about us and not about Him. Does He bless you? Yes. Is He good God? Yes. Are His mercies ever new every morning? Yes. But we're not the star of the show. He's the star. He is king. And whatever he asks of us, our answer is, yes, sir. He's given his life for us, saved us from our sins, cleansed us, given us a home in heaven, redeemed us from the pit, set our feet on a solid rock, given us a purpose in the earth, and deserves our everything. I just don't want us to come next week thinking we're doing God a favor. We're simply returning to Him what He is worthy of. And here's the good thing about God. He only asked for a portion. He could ask for it all. But He calls us to sacrifice. Are you with me? So Abraham says, God, here am I. I'm positioned. I hope next week you come positioned to say, God, here am I. Whatever you need from me. God, whatever you want from me, I'm yours. God, whatever you want. And so what does sacrifice look like? I want to give you a few things about sacrifice. You should write these down. Are you with me? Say amen. amen. Number one is this. Is sacrifice lives with urgency. Sacrifice lives with urgency. Did you catch it, what it said in the text? It said this. It said, early the next morning. There was an immediate response to the word of the Lord. An immediate response. Abraham didn't have to think about it. He didn't like, he didn't mull around on it. He wasn't like, I don't know if I'm going to do this, God. No, it said early the next morning. Why? Because there was a sense of urgency. And there should be a sense of urgency in us anytime God gives us a word, God speaks to us. There should be a sense of urgency. 
uh, we, we, I tell our team this, um, is that I would rather you make aggressive mistakes than passive mistakes. I think God would, I think God makes up for it when we're just so zealous in the wrong direction. Are you with me? What, what if I need to really, what, what, if, what if it wasn't God? What if I didn't hear? Can I tell you something? I think God makes up. If we'll be zealous in the wrong direction, God will take that and turn it in the right direction. I think what he can't handle is people that just set on their blessed assurance and, <laughs> and don't move. Are you with me? I think he'd rather us be zealous in the right and just, just that we're moving, that there's a sense of urgency in us to go do the thing that God has called us to do. And can I tell you, there is an urgency about what we're doing. We don't gather every week just to have a nice little service. We don't gather every week just to have a, a nice little gathering where you can come in and know some people and like just check off your religious box. No, there's an urgency about the mission of what we're doing is that people that are far from God don't know the love of God or the forgiveness of sin or the power of the cross or the eternity of heaven. They don't know any of that. And so we're on an urgent mission. This isn't, this isn't a cruise ship. Where it's like, we'll, we'll carry your bags to your stateroom. No, this is more like a battleship where you got to man your mission because there's a real enemy that is on an attack that wants to take out the lives of people and young people and another generation. And it is our job to stand in the gap and say, no, the mission is urgent. We've got to get on with what God's called us to do. There's an urgency. You live with a heart of sacrifice. You live with an urgency. Going, this world is not my home. When I grew up, the old folks would say, this world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. It's an urgency to what I'm doing. I have a limited amount of time. I have a limited amount of time. My days are numbered, the Bible says. The Bible says that God's numbered my days. I don't know the number of them, but I know that they're limited. And in the number of days that I have, I better make the most of my life. And so I live with an urgency that every day I'd make the most of the life that I have. And when I live with a, a spirit of sacrifice, I live with a, a sense of urgency. Abraham was like, all right, God spoke, next day. Got to get up and go. Got to get up and move. There's a sense of, of urgency. Not only that, sacrifice requires faith. Sacrifice requires faith. What, what did he say to the boy? He said, God will provide the ram. What did he say to his people? He said, um, the boy aren't going to go up and worship, and then we will come back. There's a sense of faith on the inside of Abraham because um, what you may not know about the story is God promised that through Abraham he'd create a nation, a nation, like millions of people. And he had one son, and that son was Isaac. And so Abraham knew that the promise of God was going to be fulfilled in his life. So somehow, some way, they were going up the mountain. And somehow, some way, they were both coming back down the mountain. Because the promise of God was going to happen through Isaac. He was the promised son. Are you following me? Sacrifice requires faith that what God has said, God will do. That what God has said, God will do. That if God says that when I give, he will give back to me, pressed down, shaking together, and running over, then if God has said it, then God will do it in my life. And that if God has said that if the, 
If the birds of the air have a place to land, and if he knows the numbers of hair on my head, will he not also take care of me? If God has said it, then God's going to take care of me when I walk in obedience to him. Are you following me? But sacrifice requires faith. There should be something in us that as we gather next week, and as you individually or you as a family sit down and you pray, which you should, I would encourage you, sit down and you pray as a family and you talk about this. Parents, can I, can I just put a time out in here? You should not give a gift next week that you have not discussed with your kids. Not as in getting their permission. <laughs> Are you with me? But as in showing them what faith looks like. Yeah. Are you with me? And showing them what, what it means to walk by faith, what it means to sacrifice, what it means to fully obey God. It is a great teaching opportunity for you. Yeah. But there should be something on the inside of you that goes, this requires faith of me this week. Because sacrifice should require faith. So there should be a sense of urgency of God, I can't wait to obey. Right? Like, Sunday can't get here soon enough. Can't wait to obey. I just, I pray the day that, that that's the spirit of the church. That, that like the Old Testament when um, it was David as they prepared for Solomon's temple, I think, that, that David's like, whoa, whoa, stop giving, we got enough. That'd be an amazing day. Can't take an offering today because we got more than we know what to do with right now. Because there was just such a spirit of urgency, such a spirit of, of expectation, anticipation. Are you following me? Such a spirit of I can't wait. I can't wait to, to be there. Can I, can I just say this too? Like, like, you shouldn't opt out next week. It always amazes me on year in giving how I see a little dip in attendance. It's like people that want to come for the meal each week. They just don't want to come when the meal costs them something. If this is where you get fed, you should be here next week. Are you with me? Be like, I feel a little warm. Do I feel hot to you? Okay. I think I'll watch online next week. Are you kidding me? I'll cut the live stream next week. You should be in the house. If this, is, if this is your house, if someone says, where do you go to church, and you say Life Point, then you should be in next week. If you're visiting, just, just watch everybody else squirm. Don't feel any obligation. But if this is your house, then be a part of the house. Be a part of it. Are you with me? It requires faith. Number three is this, sacrifice knows the source. Amen. Sacrifice knows the source. Sacrifice knows this, that anything I can bring next week came from God anyways. And anything I let go out of my hand that I need, God is well able to restock the shelf. God is well able to restock the shelf of my life. Because it was God that stocked it in the first place. God is well able to restock it on any day of the week. Are you following me? We were, we were with the kids, uh, you know, over thanks, they were out of school. We were over Thanksgiving break, and we'd done a couple, we did a couple of trips this week, or last week. And uh, I'd bought them something. I couldn't remember what it was. It feels like popcorn or whatever it was. But anyways, whenever I buy them something, I'm always like, you know, give me a bite or... 
let me have some of that. Anybody else with me? Um, and, and I always call it dad tax. Like there's a dad tax. So if I get you a cookie, I get a bite of the cookie. If I get you popcorn, I get some of the popcorn. Whatever it is, if it's consumable, I get it. Because there's a dad tax. But I started thinking about this. You pay tax on something you earn. So I'm just going to stop calling it dad tax. I'm going to start calling it mine. Because you didn't earn whatever I bought you, I paid for it. And then I gave it to you. And I think some of us think offering is like a God tax. And so we begrudgingly, like we begrudgingly give tax to the government, we begrudgingly give to God because we think it's a tax on something we earn. And I want to help flip that God owns it, that God gave it to you, that God supplied it, that this isn't a tax that God is trying to get from you. It is because God gave you everything that he put into your hand and he just says, return back to me, advance the mission that I've given you in the earth and through resources do that. So it's not a tax that you're paying back to God to make God happy with you so he doesn't mess with you for the rest of the year until the following year in giving. And you got God tax in December and you got government tax in April. No, it's not that. It's that God supplied everything that is in your hand and in worship to him, you return back to him a portion of what he's put into your hand. Are you with me? So God's not taxing you. Are you with me? And I'll just say, as I do every time, anytime I speak on giving, that if this isn't home and this isn't, go give somewhere. Go advance some vision somewhere that is reaching people and making a difference in the world. But do it. Because of this last one, this. Is that not only sacrifice lives with urgency, and not only does sacrifice require faith, and not only does sacrifice know its source, but sacrifice at the end of the day is really a seed. Sacrifice is a seed. Here's what I mean by that. Is that you've never sacrificed anything that in the kingdom of God, God doesn't return to you. Because whatever you sacrifice is really a seed that you're putting in the ground that will bear fruit at some point in your life. It's a seed. See, when you come next week, and this would have been the, the scriptures understanding and, and the way they taught why, because they were in an agricultural society. So when they talked about giving and they talked about generosity, they talked about it in the form of a seed because people would have understood, oh, if I put my seed in the ground, then it grows and it bears a harvest that is greater than what I put in the ground. And this isn't give God a dollar and God will give you $10 back. Are you following me? I'm not a prosperity preacher, but I'm not a poverty preacher either. I am a blessing preacher. I believe in the blessing of God. And some of you pray for a harvest in so many different areas of your life. You're praying for a harvest of some sort in your marriage, or you're praying for a harvest in your financial life, or you're praying for a harvest in your career, or you're praying for a harvest in relationships. And the problem, the reason you're not getting the harvest isn't because of God, it's because you keep eating your seed. And you can't get a harvest off something you never plant. So if you keep eating your seed, you keep destroying your harvest. See, the harvest is not God's responsibility. The seed is. The Bible tells us in Corinthians, Paul said it is God who gives seed to the sower. 
you're the sower. God gives seed to the sower. And then he says this. Look at this verse in 2 Corinthians. It said, remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly. But whoever sows generously will also reap what? They'll reap generously. God's responsible to give you the seed. You're responsible for what you sow. And your harvest will be in direct correlation to what you put in the ground. So great sacrifice, great harvest. Little sacrifice, little harvest. No sacrifice, no harvest. It's a principle. It's not that God likes other people more than he likes you. It's that he is a respecter of principle. No sacrifice, no harvest. What do you want? Little sacrifice, little harvest. Great sacrifice, great harvest. It's all about what you want. And your seed will not only reap a harvest in your life, but it will reap a harvest in lives being changed around Virginia, around the U.S., and around the world. I love this quote. I wrote it down so I wouldn't forget it. It says this. It says, The ultimate test of a man's conscience is his willingness to sacrifice things for a future generation whose words of thanks will never be heard. That's what we're doing. We're sacrificing things for some people whose words of thanks you may never hear this side of eternity but on the other side of eternity they'll be thankful I read this story and I want to close with this it said during the winter of 1941 to 1942 while Hitler's armies were blockading Leningrad thousands were starving to death and there was a small band of scientists who accepted the same fate they died even as they guarded tons of rice, wheat, corn, beans, and potatoes in a seed bank. Nine botanists perished in the midst of plenty because they were preserving the seeds for future generations, including Americans. Many of the crops today are the result of the crossbreeding of those scientists that they saved from destruction. And I thought about what we're doing. We could eat our seed and make ourselves happy. Or we could give our seed so that future generations could be saved. So that future campuses could be launched where marriages will be restored, where addictions will be broken, where salvation will happen. We can eat our seed and make ourselves happy or we can give our seed so that clean water wells can be dug, churches can be planted, so that women and children can be rescued from sex trafficking. We can eat our seed and make it about us or we can be determined to give our seed and make sure that the next generation of pastors and worship leaders and children's directors and church staff people can be raised up and be sent around the world leaders can be developed 
We can eat our seed. We have a choice. You could. Or you can come next week determine I'm going to sow my seed and make the sacrifice and watch God do the unexplainable in and through your life. It takes faith, though. Last year, Tammy and I, God called us to give the most sacrificial seed, and we've done some crazy things over the 14 years. We've sold homes and gave the most sacrificial seed we ever given last year, and I believe God's calling us to go to an even another level this year. And it doesn't make sense. I'm not completely sure how we're going to do it. But I know that the harvest I reaped last year, and one day I'll be able to tell you the stories, was so great that I don't want to miss out on the harvest in the coming year. So I've got to get my seed in the ground. Next Sunday can't come fast enough for me. Next Sunday can't get here fast enough. I want to get this seed planted as fast as I can because I want it to grow as fast as it can because I want to see the harvest. Anybody with me? If you found today's message helpful, feel free to rate, review, or even share it with a friend. Also want to encourage you to think about partnering with us, you know, together through your giving, we can take this message around the world and make a difference in the lives of so many people. Thanks again for joining us today. If you would like to partner with us, you can do so by clicking the link in the description, visiting lifepoint.org give, or via text messaging on your mobile device. Just text the dollar amount of your gift and keyword LifePoint to 45777. Thank you for your generosity. We can do so much more together than we ever could apart.